Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Hom. On this show, we interview successful real estate investing goddesses, and we often sometimes uh, interview people who are help uh, real estate investors and are, are super um, are a super great resource for real estate investors. And today I'm excited to have a woman who is both. She is a real estate investor and she provides um, innovative solutions for property managers. Our guest, Linda Liberatori, is a real estate investor and property manager. Um, and she has been, she has super innovative solutions for property managers. She speaks at real estate investment groups and national conferences. She's a best-selling author. She recently released her second book, My Landlord Helper, The Keys to Managing Your Real Estate Investments and Achieving and Saving Money, something we all need. She's a Forbes Real Estate Council member. She's a coach for Think Realty, and she's the winner of the 2017 Property Manager of the Year Award. So we are super excited to have her with us. She's high. She's a high-energy, hardworking entrepreneur. She specializes in technology for real estate and project management for property management. So her past experiences have allowed her the ability to learn and grow, and she's passionate about sharing this knowledge to help others, and I am excited that she's here to share her knowledge with us. Welcome, Linda. Oh, welcome to you. I'm I'm equally excited and quite frankly honored to be on this show. I know you provide so much value to your listeners and you, you just do a great job getting out there and getting them the information they need. So I feel so honored to be here, really, quite frankly. Oh, thank you. Um, uh, I think the pleasure is all mine, but it's, it's equally pleasurable. <laughs> so I love... So I want there are a couple of things I want to talk to you with you about today. So I I want to highlight I want to talk about your story because we we're all about the stories of the the women. So I'd love to hear about your story, but I also really want to uh, get some questions about the property management in general because you have so much experience for that, and I know that's a huge concern for a lot of our listeners, how to be a successful landlord. But let's start with your story. How did you get started in real estate investing? Um, that, that's a good story. <laughs> I got started um, years back. Um, I had small children in the home, and I actually started doing bookkeeping and technology for real estate investor. Actually, it was two of them at the time. Um, ironically, it was... Um, one that had uh, residential single families, and she's a partner with me today. Or I should, yeah, am I saying that right? She would be, <laughs> I'd be the partner, right? Um, but she had done yeah. it for years, and she really, really was excited about it and got me equally excited, and she still is today. And then I did it for a gentleman that owned a real estate, I'm sorry, warehouses, um, just outside of the O'Hare area, if you know O'Hare Field outside of Chicago, uh, you know, that's our big airport. And right, as you can imagine, the surrounding area, especially, you know, back in the day, uh, was just really loaded with warehouses and manufacturing because they were so close to the airport. 
So he owned quite a slew. So the way some people buy single-family homes, that's how he bought warehouses. So that um, he had quite a portfolio. So I helped them with bookkeeping. He, at that point, was retired and just collecting rents. So I got to see that end of it. Nice. And, uh, yeah, exactly. And then I got uh, worked with her as she grew her business. So that was, that was what got me started. That's great. So what was the first property you got? Um, it was a, and still is a, um, we still have it, um, a townhouse. I don't know, you know, they're, they're different words, different parts of the country, but they're like yeah. adjoined, home, adjoined homes, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Like shared association. A townhouse or row house. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. And that really was, um, I'll call it her primary focus for her real estate investing. And so she liked that model. In fact, I have a few clients now that have that model too, uh, some with single family, some with multifamily, but hers was always kind of the townhouse, the association. Uh, I don't know, you know, that as, as with anything else that's gone through some cycles, I don't know if you felt the same, but here in our area, uh, when the foreclosures were, you know, I'll call it rampant, that, became a real stress on those associations, which, of course, then became yeah. a stress on the association dues. So um, we got we did pretty well with that, but there certainly was a lot of people that if they weren't losing the home itself, they were losing it because of the dues, because then all of a sudden the association started coming down. And we were in communities, though, luckily, um, that were had percents. I, I'm, I'm guessing because you speak to people nationwide, you've heard of that, where they make sure uh, X percent of it is owner-occupied. And yeah. because of that, that kind of maintains a little bit of, I'll call it the pot, if you will, for the association dues to make sure that they're stable. Well, that was, even took, you know, I'll call it quite a hit when everybody was getting foreclosed on. So we came out okay, but I know a lot of horror stories of people involved in that type of investing. Yeah, that's a good point to think about. You know, what these those dues that you ha- that you might owe on top of a mortgage and other expenses, and and, and how yeah. that affects a, a rental. Yeah. But yeah, um, her, concept, her concept and a couple people I know. Um, just to share with your listeners. So their concept was that the maintenance bills would be more, uh, what do I want to say, predictable. And because of Mm -hmm. that, it's easier to budget in um, that association fee than to, you know, kind of go through the ups and downs of the normal single family investment, you know, let's say roof, roof and stuff like that. Like it was more of a predictable expense. But like I said, that took its own kind of cycle when that wasn't predicted. And as you said, it, it's something to think about because, as we know, real estate is a cycle. So, you know, it may recreate itself. But I think a lot of the associations have made a lot of adjustments to prevent that kind of, uh, I'll say, kind of not having enough reserves and, you know, the unexpectedness of people uh, losing their homes and stuff like that. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good point. So did so that was your your first investment or with townhouses um do you do you have other types of investments as well 
Uh, no, they're all, I, so I have I have more real estate, but there are still in that townhouse portfolio. So no, okay. they're, uh, they're good rentals. I mean, they're very good rentals, but like I said, they're all with this partnership and we do them through the townhomes. Okay. Well, and and Great. if you could excuse me, make sure my volume is off on my computer. Sorry. Okay, no worries. So, um, okay, let's talk about then the other side of what you do, you know, the property management side. So tell, tell, tell us a little bit about you know, you, these, the, the property management business that you have and some of the innovative prop, property management solutions that you, you offer. I, I was just going to say I loved when you said that during the intro. I'm like, oh, I've got to say it that way, the innovative. And and I would say <laughs> it, um, that was a really good description uh, because the, the reality is we're not just, um, I'll call it a straight-up property management company. What we've really, like, I'll call zeroed in on is the fact that we really do have strong technology skills and it it really just happened naturally. It wasn't um, necessarily the plan. So the plan from the beginning was uh, we create. I created a software when I got started that would help people collect the rents. So it, in okay. addition to collecting rents, uh, of course, it, if you know a little bit about it, I think you said you use a property management software. You know, there's the ledger and there's the lease application and you know all the different fields. So really when I got started, I had came from a company out of New York City that was collecting money, and I saw like just how helpful that was to have what I'll call a third-party collector as opposed to, you know, people didn't want to give up control and give it to a property manager. Does that make sense? So yeah. what I was working for wasn't real estate, but yet I knew, like, I was putting the thoughts together from the fact that I had worked with real estate investors and was still, right, and I was seeing them collect money and seeing kind of, I'll call it those pains, and then seeing that this technology and having really a third party handling the technology and the collections was really beneficial, that you didn't necessarily have to give up full control like property management, but you could find somebody to help you just collect the funds and professionalize it. And you have to imagine, when I said it was eight or nine years ago, so just getting people to, I'll say, do a debit was difficult, right? People did not want to share checking account numbers the way they do today, you know. So... So when we started that, that's when our owners said to us, so we went to real estate investors, small ones that were looking to grow, and they were looking to, let's say, you know, offload some of their work without giving up control. Because I would say that's um, that's the biggest thing, I think, with a real estate investor. It's really hard to find a property manager that you like because of the fact that you're giving up control. And, and I certainly understand it. It's probably no different than... I know this is like a crazy analogy, but no different when you have to find, let's say, daycare for your, you know, your child. That it's really scary, right? And you're like, you just want to make sure you're picking the right person. And I think people feel that, let's say, emotional about their investment, like they know that all their money's on the line, and they're very afraid to find the right property manager, especially when they're smaller. I think. That's really when you feel it because not a, 
excuse me, not a lot of full-service property managers are out there looking for their business, right? The, the, the property managers are looking for these big portfolios. And so there was, at the time especially, nobody really servicing the kind of what we refer to as the do-it-yourself investor that's just trying to grow. Yeah. Okay. So your your focus then is is it on this DIY investor, the smaller um, smaller investor maybe that has a, a few one two or a couple more single family homes, and they mm-hmm. could use some help with the the collections and and you're able to help in that way, um, which is a which is a great service I know especially if you're you know, you have properties that aren't nearby. I, my, I, I go with the um, with my my mentor's statement: live where you want to live, invest where the numbers make sense. I live in Los Angeles; it's an expensive market, so I know it doesn't always make sense for me to invest here in LA. And um, but when you are investing far away from where you live, then you often need to get property management. But if it's a small property, then that can be cost prohibitive. So how do you work with people that are remote investors as well, or are they all local? No, no, very, uh, very remote. (laughs) Um, Some, some, not a lot. Um, I work, actually, one of my first clients is out there in California, too, and her investing is in the Georgia area. Uh, but she has, and I say but because I just was speaking to somebody the other day out of the Texas area that wants to use us, and what was really good about their scenario that I would describe to um, people from my perspective is they had been through it all. So they had the do, you know, they did it themselves. Uh, they hired an employee, and they had a property manager in a different state. So for me, that's a really experienced landlord that really can, I'll say, understand our value. So we are a piece of the puzzle, not the whole puzzle. And if you want to stay in control, we're, you know, let's say we can be really helpful. So when we work with people out of state, one of the things we would say to them is, so for instance, if they don't have a strong, let's say, total team in place, if they don't have a leasing agent that's going to show the property, if they don't have a strong mm-hmm. manager or something. So like the woman that I spoke of in California, the example with her is she was growing a portfolio. So she had, let's say, boots on the ground, right? So she already yeah. had like guys that were doing remodeling for her and they were good connections to get her maintenance guys. And so in, in, a, in this last case, she was like, I just, I don't want to give this to full service you know, I just think you could be the ideal solution. And we've been with her ever since, probably five plus years. So we're, um, we handle two aspects, so I should expand on that. So we get to hear, so the, we're the front line. So we get the maintenance calls as well. It's just that we wouldn't have our own maintenance staff to send out. So that's why it's really important okay. to have a maintenance staff. So we'll facilitate it all. So as an owner, you're not worried about each maintenance call the same way you wouldn't be with full service. But from my perspective, you have to give me, a, you know, I'll call it a team of people that I can refer to. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. So okay. If, if you so have the, those the owner plays. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so the, 
So say I wanted to buy a, a property in um, Atlanta, then I can I say I'd like to use you. That here here is my my maintenance team or the the contractor you can call on the plumber etc. Um, and you would they the tenants could call you to oh toilets plugged up <laughs> it's 2 a.m. Um, and then you would facilitate getting the maintenance uh, the right maintenance person out there. Is that how it works? Absolutely, absolutely. And okay. so if you're about if you're comfortable, I'll call it making relationships in another state, then we can mm-hmm. be really good. If you're saying, No, I never want to see that state, I never want to know anybody in that state <laughs> uh, you know, I just bought these buildings and I'm just looking for a good property manager and I just wanna call them, then I would say okay. we're not a good solution. Does that make sense? Okay. So yeah, we, that makes because sense. of that yeah, we we hear it all, we see it all, we see, I'd say one of the unique things we see is a lot of, um, I'll call it best practices, we get a lot mm-hmm. of, like, uh, I'll call it, we see so many different leases, so many different states and counties, we're in, right now, um, trying to think if we're up to 14, 13 or 14 different states, um, our wow. biggest, yeah, yeah, so we have, yeah, we have somebody right now in New Jersey, uh, probably almost a year now, and you know, so no, we don't ever really see the homes, uh, but they have a good team in place as well, and uh, you know, because of that, we get we really do get to see the different counties, how they enforce the laws on payment, you know, the eviction process, um, and they bring all those forms to us, and we just, uh, you know, we're we kind of say a back office admin, so we're taking calls, we're filling out paperwork, so we're always here for them uh, as they grow, you know? Okay. So you started to say there were two parts of what you did. Um, you said for the front line, you do the maintenance calls, and then um, then the other, the, we didn't get to number two. So the, uh, this number two about collecting payments and, and handling collections and that part of it. Yes, I would definitely say that. I, I would actually, I guess, say number three. Um, so let's say the second part is the collections, and I'm going to start back with kind of your smaller. Um, so there's kind of a couple reasons people come to us. So as they're growing, if you could picture kind of, again, if your audience uh, is composed of people just starting, let's say, you know, or, or part of, a portion of your audience, one of the mm-hmm. things that is hardest for them is cash flow is really, really an issue. And so what happens, quite frankly, that we see is their, I'll call it heart gets in the way. Like, you know, we're just all human. And it's really hard when somebody calls you up and says, oh, you know, I lost my brother or whatever and I can't pay the rent. And and we all tend to be, you know, super empathetic to that. And but the reality is, they can't afford to be. You know what I mean? Like our our yeah. heart is one, making one decision, but on the back end, we're trying to balance the checkbook and pay for the mortgage. And it, it quite frankly, it just doesn't work. So your heart gets in the way, as mine would and does. And and I'll call it my own scenario, right? But when you enter in a third party. Remember, my job, first and foremost, to be successful is to get you that money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So I'm yeah. going to focus more on the lease, the laws. 
I help them find charitable organizations. We help them find alternatives to get that paid. Like we can't just hang up the phone without some like mutual agreement as to where this is going to go. Where I've had owners just come to me and say like, oh my gosh, like I know what I was doing wrong, but like I didn't know how to get out of it. Once like that scenario occurs, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And we've seen people, you know, more than one, they were on the brink of losing their property when they came to us, you know, because, you know, and and then think about it. We also went through those years um, when, if you think about just everybody always refers to the housing crisis, but quite frankly, it was an employment crisis that followed it, right? Everybody lost jobs. So now if you did have property and you were okay and you weren't upside down, which many were anyway, but let's just assume they weren't, their tenants were all losing jobs, so they couldn't afford to pay rent. So now they were carrying, let's say, that burden as long as they could, and those you know, probably were good tenants, had been with them a long time, but the reality is no cash flow is no cash flow, you know? Yeah, everybody loses yeah, yeah. So we we had to work through a lot of delicate scenarios like that, you know. Yeah. So I, I'm this. Your what you're sharing reminds me of the story that um, a property management friend of mine was telling me. He he owns he has a property management company and he has uh, rentals and he he owns the company with his brother, and he he after a while he discovered that he could not, even though he was a property manager, he couldn't manage his own property. So he would manage his brothers. His brothers would manage his because he said, you know, he real he had this one tenant who, um, you know, he said, I can't pay. My, my mother just passed away. And he, he was like, Oh, okay. I understand. He sent some, some flowers. And then he realized, Hey, wait, this is the third time in a couple of years I've sent flowers yeah. to this guy's mother who has just passed away. It's like she didn't pass, die three times, um, and he, he, he was like, "I can't, I can't take, I can't do this myself. I just get too, um, my heartstrings get too attached." Uh, so he, but if it's for his brother, it's a lot easier to say, "Nope, sorry, you have to pay rent. Uh, sorry for your loss. Um, let me know what rent to do when you can pay the rent." Um, and so I, I can see how that's a valuable service when you, if, you know, that especially if you can't necessarily afford to pay for full property management to, to do everything, but you may, you may just need somebody like a, a, a disinterested third party to collect payments. Yeah, it's really true. Yeah, it's it's really true, and that story you told, you know, I can't tell you again how many times we hear it. And for us, like I said, it's really easy because we are the third party. We are not emotional. Our job is to collect rent. Our job is to enforce the lease, and we have to get them resources outside of the landlord. And, and we say that, like, the, oh, I'm sorry, the landlord is not – you know, like, they, they they can't give you a loan. You know what I mean? And that's what they yeah. say. And they're like, well, I don't, I don't want a loan. Uh, yeah, you kind of do. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and one of the yeah. things we say, and this goes along with the story you told that I think is really true, is, you know, we first off suggest family and friends. And if there's not family and friends to help you, like, that to me 
if you are doing this yourself and you're continuing, that should be your first line. And if they say, like, nobody can help me, like, that should tell you something. Because think about, like, your own personal life. And I don't mean if you're wealthy or not wealthy. If you got in trouble, your family is there to help you because you're yeah. not in trouble every month. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, you know, like, I'm sure your parents or mine or whoever would not be helping them if I did this every single time. So, like, that's usually your first warning sign when they say that because if there really was something, you know, terrible and tragic and and that occurred in their life, they should have resources that are more than willing to help them not get evicted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's a good point. So, um, (laughs) I have a, I have a question that I I love I ask all my guests because I find that we learn so much more from mistakes our mistakes than we do for you know when things are going fine and are smooth sailing. So I want to ask you this question about your biggest mistake, but I also I want to ask you know a second follow up question. So first, what was your biggest your your own biggest personal mistake in your real estate investing career and what did you learn from it? And then I also want to ask, what's the biggest mistake that you see property owners making? Um, you know, as a property manager, like what's, a, what's one of the biggest mistakes you see uh, property owners and what, um, you know, and how, how can they, they learn from that and, and stop it? So it's a two-part question. Well, I'm going to start with my biggest mistake. Um, I can definitely um, be too much with the the heart myself, Um, kind of on the other end now, not necessarily. Well, although I will agree with that story your friend said, (laughs) um, that was why it was good to be in a partnership and once remove myself. So as good as I am at collecting for other people, and I would say our company is like super good, that's what we get, like, you know, phenomenal, all this. Um, When it is one-on-one, I have made some, you know, what I'll call poor judgment calls. So when you say the biggest Mm -hmm. mistake, it really is, is, I'll call it letting that person in. You know, it's really Mm -hmm. on the screening end, and it's, you know, a a particular uh, story that I can remember. Um, Like, I had all those feelings, like this is a mistake, but yet, you know, like they kept, showing why it wasn't a mistake, and I let my my heart get in the way of, like, really the data right in front of me. And I'm a pretty data person, um, mm-hmm. and and yet I, you know, have that heart, right? And so I, I would say I think that mistake really was a, a big learning. You know, this goes years back when I first started the investing, and even though I had a partner, that's even worse, that, like, I'll say two of us got, let's say, fooled, right, um, and yet we had all those warning signs. So when you feel the warning signs, there's a reason for those warning signs, and I've, I've kind of learned that now, you know. So I, yeah. I, I would say no, that's the biggest mistake. I, I love what you said, and I, I want to highlight two things. So one is that, you know, you said you were data-driven, and so the, the data wasn't there, but it, you were saying something else too, which I think is really important, is that, it wasn't. It didn't feel right, and so your intuition was telling you, "Uh-uh, this isn't good as well," and you ignored your intuition. And I know that, like personally in my life, when I the biggest mistakes I've made have been when I, my intuition has been telling me something and I've ignored it. Um, yeah. And 
and so it sounds like that was that was also what was it happening there too that you were it didn't feel right but you still went ahead because they had yes, a good story. Absolutely. And, and and mine goes far enough back that I'd say, and we always still make common mistakes, right? But like the one thing I would not want your listeners to take away from that is they still have to go to the data first, always. Like, like I, yeah. it's still very scary to me when I hear investors go, "Well, no, I just didn't run the credit because I, you know, I felt good about her. I had that good feeling." Like that. Right, right, right. Listen closely to the example I gave. There was data, and there was mm-hmm. intuition, and don't don't just go with the intuition. That that doesn't work. But the fact that my intuition, like I'll say, was right in line with that data, I don't know how I got you know let's say smooth talked into it, you know, and that was just a chance we should never have taken. Luckily, it wasn't as costly as it could have been, but it certainly was costly to us. Mm, that's that was, uh, thank you. thank you for sharing that, and that that's a good point too. Like, you know, let the let the numbers talk as well. Um, and yeah. and so so what the the other question, the follow up question was what was what are what's the biggest mistake then you see property owners making? It might be the same thing, but if, or or. Um, is there a different a different one that you see? You see yeah, I'll try to go with a different owners. one. Yeah, I'll try to go with a different one. I think that, and I think this is such a, um, I'm going to use the word, uh, they hear it at every conference. It's such a, like, kind of buzzword. Like, you have to treat your business like a business. And, uh, yeah. you know, like, that's the cut, right? But I think what happens in that case is no one describes, well, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? Because I can't treat it like Amazon because I'm not as big as Amazon, right? So, like, there's all – there. I think that term gets thrown around, but nobody really defines it because there are plenty of businesses that go out of business. So just, just like, giving that one word to say treat it like a business, I think that what I see the mistakes is – they don't like, I'm going to use the word, I'm going to define it to say treat it professionally like we just said, use the data, use the technology, like once remove yourself from the emotion because this is homes and people and and all businesses are, right? They're all based on people that come in to shop with you or whatever and, you know, whether you own a a little grocery store or a coffee shop, right? But But at the end of the day, you can't, let's say, have so much emotion for the people that come in that you start giving away the coffee for free, right? I mean, it's kind of the same yeah, analogy. Yeah, exactly. Like that, you would almost say that's absurd, right? Like, who's going to do that? And yet, that's kind of the professionalism we see sometimes. Like, if you have a lease that says, you know, it's $200 for the maintenance fee, then you have to enforce that. Like, one of the things we kind of share with them is, like, that's kind of behavior that you're setting a tone and I know you want to be nice. So then be nice by giving a gift card or something, let's say outside of the lease, but stick to your lease terms. If those, if those are the terms of your lease, that's your business model. And then I guess to piggyback that, the the other mistake I hear a lot is when they talk about, um, you know, we'll say like, did you run this past the lawyer? Like when they get started, they're just getting started in business and they don't want to go get a lawyer for, like, the first legal document, which is the lease, which is the whole 
You know, that's yeah. that's your paintbrush. If you're the painter, that's your paintbrush. Like, you have to have the right materials and don't get started without, even if it's legal Zoom or I'm not saying you have to go find, you know, a, a Madison Avenue lawyer. I'm not saying you have to find them. I realize that budgets are tight when you're starting, but don't get started without some legal advice and in specifically from real estate investment type of attorneys. Like get involved with a RIA, get involved somewhere so that you have a good foundational document because that's going to be the one piece you're going to have to lean on and I'd say that's sometimes the biggest mistake we see. And, and again, that's when we've seen them lose their homes and stuff, lose their investment homes, because they, they mm. just didn't tie up that first piece right, you know, with the, with the right lease and making sure, like, people add a lot of stuff for, you know, uh, behavioral things that like, you just wouldn't believe, like, how much stuff you should put in there to protect yourself, you know? Yeah. Well, that is... Super good advice, and, um, and I'm looking at the time. This is this has been so good, and we, we're we run out of time. Uh, but such wonderful advice! Like it's super super helpful to not be too DIY, right? You have to <laughs> sometimes you have to rely on professionals, and especially when it comes to legal matters. Um, you know, just do it do it right, and uh, as um, one of my my mentors says, if you if you buy, if you work with the best, they're not gonna they're not gonna it's not gonna take your money. They're gonna make you money in the end. So really, yeah. you you will you know sometimes trying to your penny penny wise pound foolish. So um, that's really that's really good advice, and and then treating your business like a business. That's great. Yeah, like um, yeah. So. Uh, we're, we have time for a quick trinity, but before we do, what's the best way for people to reach you and find out more about what you do? Well, one of the things that um, we have is you could go to my email, of course. That's Linda L at SecurePay1, and that's all spelled out, S-E-C-U-R-E-P-A-Y-O-N-E.com. Or okay. we do have this YouTube channel that we're super proud of. We have over 500 daily videos, like eight years wow. worth of newsletters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we do a daily video every single day um, with tips for landlords, and they're now organized by month. So we have a theme for the month, so you can kind of scroll through the site. That's at youtube.com uh, slash securepay1. And that is really just chock full of information and then we've got like newsletters on there that have been uh, those are all video ones of course because it's youtube and we have them you know in uh, writing as well like blogs and stuff as well Um, but people seem to love the you know the videos because they're short they're sweet and they get you know a nugget of information each day great awesome okay so you guys linda l at securepay1.com or youtube.com um, slash secure pay one. All right. So, what is your trinity? What What's one thing you're celebrating right now? What do we want to brag? Um, I, you know that's <laughs> that's a difficult thing for me. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna brag a little bit about our technology. Um, so what one of the things that we do is so unique and and really we're now realizing it is a probably big brag is we work with um, all all the main softwares, I'll say, and plus some of the smaller ones. So, for instance, Buildium, PropertyWare, Folio, 
a rep manager. And so it really has given us, like, a level of expertise that, like, we really didn't go in for that reason, I'll say. You know, again, my background was teaching and training on technology for businesses. So it wasn't intentional. We were just meeting the needs of our clients. And because of that, now we're offering people the ability to just help them set up their technology. And we're realizing there's so many people. So I'd say it's something that, like, now that we look in the rearview mirror, it's like, wow, we really do have some expertise here. Well, brag. Very well bragged. What's one thing you're grateful for? Um, that's going to have to be the team here and um, my own family. So I don't know about you, but and I'm not sure everybody, you know, can relate to this. But when you start a business, it's it's really tough on your family, very, very hard on them. It's still very long hours. And, you know, it's, it, it is definitely a baby that needs lots of attention. So I really appreciate, you know, what they've done for me to support me through this. And then the team I have here, I just that that was a real growth and learning experience for me. Anybody that has teams know how how difficult that can be, and I have been blessed the last couple of years, and I definitely count that as a gratitude. Mm, beautiful. And last but not least, what's one thing you desire? Well, you know what I, I what I have found, and and this again is kind of in the rearview mirror. I feel like I do need to even get um, more involved with young people because it was happening naturally, but now I think it needs to be even more of a focus. Like when they get out of college, I'll say, or even, you know, while they're in college, like kind of sharpening their skills. Like I've been doing a lot of um, research and stuff on the technology of AI and the impact it's going to have. Like, you know, it's been around, it's a buzzword, but it's back to kind of those data points. And I think that our next set, I'll say, of young people all graduating and stuff, there are going to be so many changes for them um, that they need to, like, get in touch with just what is that. You don't have to be a computer scientist to like embrace that and realize all the value that they can bring to their workplace by having a, a better core understanding of what is data points, you know what I mean, and, and how they impact the business. So I've been working with uh, a high school in the city, um, and it's, it's, you know, challenged and challenged in their families and stuff, and not everybody just goes to the best colleges, you know. So I'm yeah. going to try to work with them to come up with something that would help them to at least get hopefully stir some some interest and some passion and you know I, I just think there needs to be some so, alternatives you know so your your desire is like to, to help in, a, in a nutshell <laughs> okay yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. To, to help the young people <laughs> sorry. Is that just, you didn't tell me it was only supposed to be 10 words all right to help no, the no, young, no, no, young no. students <laughs> yeah and, uh, all right so so with this art, this intelligence technology. All right. Well, so yeah. shall your desire be, or so much better than you can imagine. And Aww, um, thank and thank you, thank you for this wonderful interview. My gosh, so much amazing information. Again, y'all, you can reach Linda at Linda L at SecurePain1.com. 
or go check out her YouTube channel. And you can reach me at realestateinvestorgoddesses.com. You can, there you can join our vibrant Real Estate Investor Goddesses community. We have women from all over the country and the world that are part of our group. And we also can also find out about our upcoming Wealth Builder program. If you're wanting to invest in real estate, this is a three-month program to give you the exact steps you need in order to get your first investment property and to do so in a way that is divinely feminine. So if you're interested in that, check it out on the website at realestateinvestorgoddesses.com under programs and um, join us next time for another incredible real estate investing goddess interview. Bye-bye.